Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome to Christ Church of Livingston County Teaching Ministry. Christ Church is a member of the Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches, Tyndale Presbytery. The following audio recording is from a Covenant Renewal Liturgy at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording. We come before a God of splendor, a God of light, and we know that we walk yet in darkness in our sins. Uh, Proverbs 19.22 is our call to confession. Hear God's word. What is desired in a man is kindness. Just the first half of that proverb for our call to confession. What is desired in a man is kindness. God does give us what is good for us, and he removes what is hurting us. And kindness is one of those things that's good for us. The lack of it uh, hurts us, and it's something we often don't notice is hurting us. I think we saw that uh, in spades this past week in our uh, news, in our State of the Union speech. Uh, Nancy Pelosi ripping up the speech. It's been in the news this whole week, right? Wow, what an act uh, of a lack of kindness, to say the least, yes? Uh, When I sent out the weekly email Friday, I got a good ribbing from one of my offspring who volunteered to rip up my sermon notes afterwards uh, today. And then the family had the idea, well, maybe we'll rip up the bulletins after that. Well, maybe let's think of something to do like that. Now, on one level, this is all kind of funny, but, but on another level, it is shockingly atrocious, amazing that we're humored by such upfront dishonoring of our leaders. What is wanted in a man is kindness. Steadfast love is another word for it. And we need to practice this daily with those closest to us. Kids, don't you find it harder to be kind to your brother or sister when they're doing something you don't like? If we practice kindness when it's easier, uh, then when it gets harder to be kind to someone, lo and behold, it'll be easier. Let's practice kindness, and let's confess our selfishness, our insistence on having our own way. Let's confess our sins before God. I invite you to kneel if you're able, and we'll pray the prayer printed in the bulletin together. Father, as we open this word again, we pray that your word would be our rule, that uh, your spirit would be our encouragement and our teacher, and that the glory of your son Jesus would be our single concern. We pray this in his name. Amen. Hear God's word once more. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The grass withers and the flower fades, but this word of God stands forever. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. 
Well, the formal requirement of the President last Tuesday by the Constitution was to give Congress information of the State of the Union, to quote our own uh, nation's Constitution. In other words, report back to us. What's our condition? What is our condition? And it's interesting to me that that is an act of accountability and of leadership, both. It's an act where the president owes the Congress information. He's, there's the checks and balances idea, right, where the president is accountable uh, to the Congress in that regard. He owes them that kind of information. It's also an act of leadership in which he's saying, let me tell you how it is. <laughs> We're doing well over here, and we need to fix this or that over there. So it's kind of an act of accountability and leadership, both. Now, when we translate this to the church setting, and I'm actually going to attempt this for the first time I've ever tried this, a state of the church address, realize that, that first that it's a translation we can make. I'm doing this not to copy worldly ways, not to feed my ego and act like the president for a day. That's not the idea. It's a pastoral leadership thing to do, to say to the sheep, we're doing well here. And we need to go over there and do that, too, that kind of thing. So that's the idea here, the state of, this, of the church address. So two clarifications here before I jump in. First, this can be a very delicate thing, right? Most of you here in this room have been committed to this church for five or ten times longer than I've been here. So for me to, to swoop in and say, hey, you guys need to fix this and do that, that's a bit much. So I realize that every sermon that I preach, especially one like this, I'm doing my utmost to preach to myself first. And most of what I'll say this morning applies as much to me as to you. So I'm preaching to everybody in the room, myself first. And second clarification, this is a state of the church address, not a state of the families in the church address. And sometimes there's differences, right? The church may have something we need to work on, that where one family actually is doing quite well at. So we have to be careful with that kind of distinction, too. There are certain things that we as families are doing well that maybe the church needs to do collectively well as well, or vice versa. So there's a difference between the families in the church. If I say our church needs to work on this, well, maybe your family's doing well at that, actually. So maybe that's a place where your family could help the church. So there's that kind of distinction and clarification. Well, anyway, what is our condition? Uh, in Congress every year, the, the expected word to say is strong. I don't know if you ever noticed that. But every year, every president says, the State of the Union is strong. It's a politician thing to do, right? Because I'm leading it. That's why, and here's why. So here's an area where I'm going to deviate from that kind of norm uh, it, it, it's kind of a moment where the president takes credit for what he's done, and this is why the, the state of the nation is strong. I'm not going to rehearse all, all the things that I've been trying to do and doing and say, the state of our church is strong because of what I've been doing. That's not what's going on here. right? So let's be a bit more honest than that and not just say what we want to hear. There is a great deal of spiritual strength that I observe among us. It's very true. I see a, a lot of, of that. Well, I'll, I'll get into some of that in a moment. But the quick summary of, of what I would give, there's two phrases that I would give you that you, you can take home and consider. Uh, the state of, the condition of our congregation, and again, I'm talking, I uh, should have made this distinction too, I'm talking about the state of this congregation, uh, not the state of the church generally. So I'm, I'm considering us as, as Christchurch of Livingston County this morning. 
So the two phrases I would say is, we are recovering our balance, and we are poised to grow. Those are two phrases I would use to describe us. We're recovering our balance, and we're poised to grow. Uh, so let's look at each of those in turn. First, recovering our balance. Uh, you know, after the first few, last few years, uh, we've had some intense conflict. We've had some folks and an elder leaving. We've taken some punches in that way. Uh, so first of all, I'd say we have hurts, right? Uh, we have hurts of all sorts, uh, and not just those kinds that I just talked about. There, there are many among us uh, these days, today, who have physical hurts, who are, who are enduring physical trials, and that hinders our productivity and our service to our family, and that frustrates us. There's, there's health issues. There, there's all kinds of physical hurts like that. We have family hurts. We're dealing with the deaths of loved ones, with disagreements with extended family. There's family hurts like that. And then there's the, the fights, the relational hurts that I've already mentioned. There, there's hurts like that that we've endured as a congregation, either right now or, or in our recent past. And it can become a situation like a child touching a hot stove, right? We've, we've gone to touch that, and, and, and it burned us. And so we're hesitant, hesitant to do something again when you got burned the last time, right? So we have hurts like that. Uh, I've been watching a lot of basketball lately. Uh, one of my kids plays basketball, and uh, it, it's the, the whole dynamic of momentum is interesting to me. Right? You, you, you surge ahead in the score, and then all of a sudden the other team starts surging ahead. And then they just scored a three-pointer, and now you're down by seven. And, and now you've got the ball again. You have less momentum, but you've got to drive the ball. You've got to take it in. You've got to make a play. You've got to go for the basket. We'll get back to that idea, but first it's important just to acknowledge we, we've got hurts. That we've taken some punches. Second, uh, under our recovering our balance idea, we are faithful. We are faithful. And I've got four or five things to mention here. Uh, first of all, there, there's just there, there's a core group of us that's committed, that's diligent to be here. Uh, I never cease to be amazed at this or, or take it for granted when we gather week by week. Sometimes you wonder, you know, as... as, as uh, Family providences have you come in and you're, you're a bit on the just-in-time side or just on the late side. And you, and you wonder, how many of us are going to be here today? And it, and it keeps us all humble, and it, but we realize we are a faithful and committed bunch. It's a miracle of God's Spirit in our hearts to grant us such consistency. And that's something that we have, that we're doing well. The second thing we're faithful in is, is respecting elders. Here I come to the sermon text in 1 Thessalonians 5. I'm, I'm intending to touch on each of these verses this morning. Uh, here's the first one. Uh, Esteem those highly who are over you in the Lord. There are times of conflict and disagreement when it gets harder to trust and respect your leaders. And you probably know about that. Uh, I've experienced it myself. Uh, we, we seem to have come through those times, still esteeming our elders, still seeking to have a pastor. And that's a good thing. That, that's a healthy thing. So we're faithful in that way. We're faithful also in that we see important things in God's word. Important things like God including our children in his covenant family. God's sovereignty in our salvation. Reverent worship. These kinds of things that we're pursuing, these are important things. We're faithful in those. 
Oh, let's go back to 1 Thessalonians 5 for a moment and, and go down to the next verses there. Uh, verse 14, we exhort you, warn those who are uh, unruly, uh, or the, another word for there is idle. Uh, so I, don't, I haven't noticed too much unruliness or idleness amongst us. We are a busy bunch, and that's good. The next line, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak. Some of us are faint-hearted and weak and distressed, and we need encouragement in those areas. And, that, and I, again, this is an area where I see faithfulness here. Uh, that happens a lot right here in the center aisle after church as we talk with each other. Uh, we're, we're doing that. We, we've held uh, some Deo Gloria in the past year, a women's study, a couple's book study on marriage, the men's morning study. Uh, we've put those brochures together to describe us to people around us. Uh, we've held a couple of open house events, had a few baptisms, family weddings, family funerals. Uh, all this is about staying faithful and encouraging one another, the faint-hearted and the struggling especially. We're, we're faithful. Last point I'll mention on faithfulness is those of you with young children, uh, you are doing a valiant thing, a worthwhile task to have your children in worship like this. And I know, there are, I know this because we've been through this. We, we've had, you know, you know our, our kids and the age of our kids. Just think of them all 15 years younger and then drop your jaw a little bit. That you're in that kind of situation, right? So we've often been through that feeling of our kids are making such a ruckus. Everybody's looking at us. We, they're wiggling like crazy. They're making way too much noise. But that's, that's, that, that perception is usually about 10 times more than what people actually are registering, right? Realize when your kids are too wiggly and they're making you very uncomfortable, we're on your side in that, Right? Of course, you need to continue being diligent to help them, train them to, to be able to uh, listen as well as they can. But we're on your side when they're making noise and doing that. You're being faithful and you're doing a good thing. So that's the second point. We're recovering our balance in, in that we have hurts, but we're faithful. Uh, the third point I'll mention, the last one under this phrase, is we are small. <laughs> we are a small church. So I want to mention that just briefly. Small itself isn't a bad thing. You know, it's, it's really hard to escape the assumptions out there about successful churches, right? If you're not building a building or insanely big and offering every kind of program to everybody, then you must not be doing it right. That's the assumption most people have out there today. Wrong. Wrong. We need to avoid that assumption. But we do have another problem, almost the opposite problem, in that we want a full-time pastor, but we're too small to support one long-term right now, financially. And we'll talk about that more later at lunch. So let's set that aside for now, that we're small. So that presents an issue. Uh, the other problem with being small for too long is that you can stagnate. And there's something we want to avoid. We don't want to stay too small for too long. There needs to be some, some in and some out as far as people coming in, coming out. So that, that's three things to consider in that we're recovering our balance. We have hurts, but we're faithful and we're small. So that's uh, part of our condition that I wanted to put before you. Uh, then move on to part B of the message, and that's the second phrase. That not only are we recovering our balance, but we are poised for growth. We're poised for growth. 
So ways to grow. Uh, there are ways that we can grow ourselves, and there are ways that we can look to grow our congregation in a numerical sense, in outreach as well. So let's look at that first. Uh, first back to 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 and 18. Rejoice always. And verse 18, in everything give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ for you. Uh, one way that we can grow together, uh, just ourselves internally, is, is to continue in our uh, seeking a joyful and thankful fellowship together. Even after we've been through the ringer, or we're currently in the ringer, uh, rejoice always. Give thanks in everything, Paul says. And what better place than, than the church uh, to process those hurts, those sufferings that we're going through when, we're, uh, when we've been through the ringer. Part of that, again, goes back to the touching the hot stove thing. We don't, we don't want to go back to that hurt. And it's a strange and uh, it, it, a mysterious providence of God that he often uh, puts our deepest hurts uh, as happening in the midst of God's people. Why does he do that? He, he does that sometimes just to help us to trust him. This is also the place of great blessing. So we need to remember our first love for Christ and for his people. More than merely doing our duty, of course. Uh, we, I remember growing up often, the, the phrase would escape me, as we were getting our kids ready for church, uh, to motivate them, I would use a just awfully empty logic with, with my young children and say, why do you have to get ready? Because we've got to go to church. That, that, I mean, what more do you need? It's self-evident. We've got to go to church, right? Well, there needs to be more than that. It may be the thing to say at the moment. You know, we need to do our duty now. You need to put that on. You know, in the short term, it gets down to that point. But you've got to go bigger picture than that. Why do we got to go to church? And is it a get-to or a got-to, they like to say, right? We need to recover our first love, remember why we are here, why this Christ Church project is so important, and it is. We get to come here every week. Why is that? Let's recover a bit of why that is. Uh, we should acknowledge that when Christ Church has been a place that we've been hurt, it's easy to just back off and find our joy elsewhere. And maybe we don't leave, but we kind of check out to a degree. And we need to resist that natural temptation. Re-engage with God's people. That's kind of the second point. Be knit together in love. It's a phrase from Ephesians. Uh, one uh, tenet that we hold strongly here is that worship is central. That the most important thing we do all week is what we're doing right now. Worshiping God with his people. Worship is central. Uh, sometimes, though, that uh, turns into worship is the only thing that we do. And that's something we have to watch out for. Worship should not be the only activity on the church calendar. We rightly react against a crowded church calendar that pulls the family apart all week long. We don't want that. But we can go too far the other way and be doing too little together. Knit yourself together in love. That's what God is doing to us, knitting us together in love. Knitting is something my wife does. And there's a constant repetitive action. It's amazing to watch, right? I think that metaphor is intentional, constant, and repetitive. That's, that's fellowship life in the church. We need to be available to each other more. So to this end, I'm, st I'm starting to plan some prayer meetings. 
and psalm sings outside of Sunday worship for us to have available for us to come together uh, every now and then. Meetings like those aren't the only way we grow together, hopefully, but they should be a part of our life together. Uh, Also, verse 17 of our text, pray without ceasing. Uh, We need to pray together. Uh, So let's pray together. Uh, I've always enjoyed uh, in our prayer list, we have that petition for our other sister CREC churches. And our our prayer, uh, uh, Daniel, who puts this together, there's always a little blurb there, right, about how to pray for each church. I enjoy those. And those are things we ought to pray for ourselves, as well as for other churches. Those, when, we, when we hear from others how they're praying for us, that's often very instructive. Oh, yeah, that's what I need. And we don't even realize, oh, yeah, I, sh- I should be working towards that. Prayer can be very instructive when we pray together. Uh, the, you know the old cliche, the family that prays together stays together. Uh, same for the church. The church that prays together stays together. Uh, last thing I'll say about being knit together in love uh, is point you to Haggai, the, the minor prophet Haggai. Haggai chapter 1 is a fascinating text. We don't have time to go there today. This is some of your homework maybe. But Haggai rebukes Israel right at the beginning for spending all their time on their own houses while they neglect the house of God. And I think there's something for us there. We, we need to, this is one way to grow ourselves, be knit together in love. Uh, we, of course, don't want to take away from how you need to be um, faithful as a family. But there's a balance there of, of uh, helping the church as well. The church needs to help the family to be faithful, and the family needs to help the church to be faithful. So we're poised for growth, and those are some ways to grow ourselves. Uh, also, we are poised to grow outwardly. Uh, because we're recovering our balance, we're poised to grow outwardly. And we ought to consider that. This is uh, part of the reason I had us read Joshua 1. I think Joshua 1 is uh, a timely word for us today as a congregation. Uh, we've, we've been through the desert. We've been through the wilderness for 40 days. But now we've come to the promised land. There's been a transition of leadership to a, rega- to a degree. And God is telling us to take the land. Right? Look around you. This is the land I've given you. Take the land. It's a huge task before us. So don't be dismayed. And that's often a challenge of God's people. The challenge isn't so much that they can't do what's in front of them with God's strength. It's that inside they don't believe it can happen. We're dismayed. And God says, don't be dismayed. Stick to the word, Joshua 1, 8, 1, 7. And then go out there and fight. And, you know, make the the reasonable translations here. We're not called to uh, destroy the Canaanites, but we are called to take the land in a different kind of destruction, right? We're destroying a a pagan way of life, an unbelieving worldview. Uh, As we uh, convince and persuade men, as we show them a different way to live, uh, we take the land for the Lord. We're called to go into the world with the gospel. In our lectionary reading today from Matthew 5, we saw we're the salt of the earth. We have to be a preserving influence to those out in the world, in that cubicle next to you, uh, wherever it may be. Uh, We're the light of the world. You don't don't hide that. You want to show that to the world. You want to be visible. Uh, Now, for some, I realize, for some, your call is to be home, raising little ones, mainly. But we all venture out sometimes. 
and there ought to be uh, moments where we are engaging in the world. I heard a wonderful message by Alistair Begg on this this week. He had a message on evangelism, and he pointed to Joseph in prison. He mentioned Joseph when he was in prison. I mean, how, how can you do any kind of outreach when you're in jail, right? Not possible. You can't go anywhere. Well, by God's providence, it's very possible. Right? Who did God bring to Joseph? This butler and this, book, this baker come to him, and they've had dreams, and they're dejected, the text says. And Joseph notices, and, he, and Joseph asks them about it. And Begg made a really good point of that. He said, you know, Joseph could have been so wrapped up in his own problems not to notice these guys. But he noticed that they were sad. They were dejected. And he mentioned something about it. He said, why are you so dejected? And Beg went on. He said, I'll bet you in the next 7 or 14 days, wherever you are, you're going to run into somebody who's dejected, who looks visibly a bit down. You can ask them about that. It means getting involved in their lives, and it takes time and resources, but it's something that we're called to. We can, when we tangibly love our neighbor and offer real help, then we draw others in to wonder what we are doing. So be ready to interact with unexpected people like that. Now remember, of course, I'm, I'm putting this all under the heading of uh, Christ church growing outwardly. Uh, but, you know, we don't do this firstly to grow our church. We want to love our neighbor for Christ's sake, first of all. But we should also be ready with a reason why we worship here, right? What's the elevator speech for Christ church of Livingston County? You know that term, the elevator speech? If you... If you're in the elevator with somebody you don't know, and, they, and the, the question comes up and you got 20 seconds, what do you say? I came up with a couple of sentences. This is just a rough draft. What I might say is, at Christ Church, we're all about the gospel. The good news that Jesus Christ died and rose to deal with our sin and to give us new life. And that affects every part of our lives. It starts with uh, reverent worship. It includes our children in worship, in baptism, and communion. That's about as far as I got for now. We can probably add more. We'll come to that later. What's your elevator speech? What's your pitch for Christ Church? Why is it you feel like you get to come here? What makes that real for you? That's an important thing to be able to verbalize. So we're poised to grow in an outward way, in that way. Uh, one new thing we're trying in this vein is there's a new movie coming out, The Riot and the Dance. Uh, there's been a, one of those before about a year ago. There's a second one coming out. Um, and through a, de- a generous donor, we are screening this for the public at the Historic Theater in Howell. Uh, you'll see a bit of detail on the back page of the bulletin. It's uh, March 6th, a Friday night. We're going to uh, have the proceeds go to the Pregnancy Help Clinic. So we're going to put that on and, and invite the public to come and see that movie. Uh, and that's one, one uh, outreach uh, method we can use uh, to get people to see uh, God's world in God's way, right? In, in the documentaries uh, of the day, uh, often a, an ungodly uh, lack of God perspective is, is given. Here, we can have the Lord brought into the picture as the creator of all things. So anyway, that's one thing that we can put on and encourage the producers of that movie themselves and also hope that we can bring in the public to see God's world and to see us putting that on as well. So that's something we're doing. We're poised for growth. 
but we also need to remember, as I come to the close here, uh, last idea, uh, how is it exactly that we grow? We read this in our Westminster Catechism this morning, that God elects by his grace some out of that misery to eternal life. We grow by God's choice in the end, right? We need to do all that we can with the resources we have. But it's up to God in the end. And, and that's where, if we look back at the last year and see, boy, the attendance is about the same. But we can get discouraged. And that's where we can be encouraged in those times where we, see, we don't see a lot of growth. And we remember, this is in the Lord's hands to do with as he wants. We're going to keep trusting him, keep working as, as we can. And that's where I come back to Abraham all the time. And I uh, gave this little blurb to the session at our last session meeting. Uh, think of Abraham believing and working. Right? I read in my devotions in, in, around Genesis 14 that Abraham had 318 trained men with which he went and captured Lot, or rescued Lot, I should say. Right? They had this big battle going on. Lot was captured, kidnapped, abducted with all of his family and stuff. And Abraham has 318 trained warriors who go and rescue him from these five kings. It's an amazing story we seldom think about with Abraham. He has a huge household that he is stewarding and cultivating and training militarily. All of that in the midst of a land that he does not yet own that God has promised him. The, the point there is that Abraham is doing everything he can with what he has. And yet the promises that God has made to Abraham are beyond his power. The two promises God gave him were children <laughs> and occupation of the land. Right? Abraham can't produce children on his own. He's got to trust God for that. And he has to trust God to work providentially to bring him to a point where he can occupy the land as well. So I think that applies to us. We need to do what we can with what we have but we need to trust God for the result, because ultimately it is up to him. So as I close, I have two homework assignments for you on this kind of message. There's not usually homework at the State of the Union address, I guess. But here's, here's something to consider. What is our condition? I said, recovering our balance, and we're poised for growth. Maybe you have other ideas, and I'd, I'd love to hear them. Uh, what phrase would you give a phrase or three uh, to, to uh, describe our condition. So send those to me. I'd love to see them. And the second assignment is, what is your elevator speech about Christ Church? Uh, if you feel in your heart that I get to come to Christ Church of Livingston County, why is that in three or four sentences? A couple of homework assignments just for, to, to spur on that kind of growth that I've been talking about. Christ Church of Livingston County is a faithful and unique and precious church in which to grow in Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks for being able to come to this place and to worship you. We thank you for a time to sit ourselves, our families down before you before your word, before uh, your uh, preaching of that word, to rise in singing and song and prayers, 
to offer you gifts, uh, to sit down and receive bread and wine and commune with our Savior. Lord, you are a great and a merciful and a kind God. And we ask, Lord, that you would uh, spur us on, help us know how we can grow, uh, give us kindness with one another, give us uh, the clarity and the truth that we need uh, to speak boldly uh, the message that you've given us in your word uh, to a town around us, a world around us. We thank you for uh, this opportunity uh, to be ministers of yours, to be uh, servants of yours. And we ask that you would keep us faithful. And all of we say and we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. We're reading from Ephesians chapter 5 this morning, verse 25 through 27, before we come to the Lord's table. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Now there is a description of the state of the church. The state of the church at the Lord's table is seen through Christ, from his perspective. We know what he did. He died on the cross for us. But tucked away in these verses I just read is the bigger picture. To what end did he die for us? That he might sanctify us, cleanse us, present us to himself in splendor, totally pure and beautiful. That is the future state of the church, and that is the way God sees the church even now. In Christ. Romans 8.1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So consider body image. We are the body of Christ, and we're talking about how we see the body of Christ. Body image is a big deal in the world, and it's a struggle for many of us. We feel insecure with our perception of our bodies. So let us hold those insecurities up to the light of God's word, where we read that we have been given fine, pure linen to wear, the righteousness of Christ himself, that Jesus himself wants to be with us and have us delight in him. So let's receive Christ and rest alone on him for salvation today. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Jesus said, take and eat. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this audio recording from Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in this recording, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact us through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I dot com. Again, thank you and blessings.